Hello everyone, this is Noah and John, and we are from Urban Digs, and we are talking Manhattan, and we are in the eighth week, John. Eighth week now, eighth week. It, they, they keep climbing up. I really hope we're going to have a start at climbing down at some point, but until well, then, we just got to keep rolling with it. We're getting there. I mean, and, and every week that we go through, this is one week closer to the end, hopefully. Um, but, you know, I just want to talk about this real quick. We've been talking about the declining inventory narrative. And I'm starting to see it slow down a little bit. I thought that by this time we'd be under 5,000 on supply, but we're at 5,060. I feel like it's, it's still going down, but it's going down much slower. So we might be kind of bottoming in terms of how low inventory might go. I mean, I don't know. We still got a couple more weeks before the restrictions are eased, but, but this is a trend that we're worth following here. Right. Um, so let's, let's, let's continue the attorney edition. You know, John, we're bringing on attorneys because they are the front lines. They're the ones that have direct access to how dislocated this market is. Yes, they're the one have they got a sneak peek behind all the deals before. They don't have to wait six to nine months for the rest of us to figure them out. They sort right. of know what's happening. And I, I like to have brokers on all the time, but brokers brokers are not doing many deals right now. I mean, yeah, um, you know, it's just true. it's just a very thinly traded dislocated market. So we got Neil Garfinkel. Neil, thank you so much for coming on. Neil is a broker counsel to Rebney. He is a managing partner at AGMB Law. Neil, thank you so much for taking time out of your day, uh, and let's get right into it. What are you seeing out there? Wow. So, um, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. It's always a pleasure. I know we've done this a couple of times, mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's a good opportunity, good opportunity for me to say hello to everyone, so thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, so I'm, my firm and I are known for a couple of things. Most people know me as broker counsel to the Real Estate Board in New York, Rebney, um, in fact, some people think I only work for Rebney and in fact, have a whole other firm, um, Abrams, Garfinkel, Margolis, Bergson. And I bring that up just because a lot of people don't know that what we also do is represent lots of lenders. Um, and so there are almost, I'm operating almost in two different universes right now. I'm dealing in the, working with the real estate broker community and Rebney, <clears throat> excuse me, um, working on the purchasers and sellers and then we're also representing the lenders and we do a lot of closings. Uh, and so the good news, I'm gonna start with the good news is that lenders by virtue of being deemed to be an essential service, which um, I think is probably an accurate statement, uh, they are very busy. Interest rate environment is extremely low um, and we are doing a ton of refinances, believe it or not, even in this marketplace, which I think is really important. It's great for uh, the economy. It's good to keep liquidity in the economy, in the marketplace. And so we're obviously, I mean, it's, it's not easy, quite frankly, we are, uh, it's stressful um, trying to, to do literally, um, you know, 20, 30, 40 closings in a day is not easy when you're trying to have social distancing, keep, keeping, keeping people safe, and so on, but what we are, we're, we're doing it. We're, we're getting it done. And so that's a good thing, I think. Are those always, are those virtual closings? All of them are virtual closings? So, so virtual closings is a misnomer, um, particularly in New York. Um, they are, we are using um, virtual tools, but ultimately in New York, you still have a physicality associated with closings. You still need original documents signed. You still need stocks and leases brought to closings. You still need, if you're doing a consolidation, an extension and modification for purposes of saving on mortgage tax, you still need original documents. You still need original documents 
to be filed in the clerk's office, the recording offices. So, mm -hmm. so they are to a degree. We with the um, uh, with the virtual notary, the ability for let's say, for example, Noah, I could send you some documents, you could sign them, um, and I could notarize them. You can hold them up to me, show them, send them back to me, and I can then I can notarize them. So the fact that the governor issued that executive order was excellent, that helps, mm -hmm. but we still have to send people to closings ultimately, or we still have to have a physicality associated with the closing. So everyone is chipping in, we're doing the best we can. Um, so that's the good news, but I will say that most of them are refinance closings. I think we, um, so just to finish the point there, we're seeing, you know, let's say normally in a marketplace, I'd see roughly 50% commitment for purchase and sale, 50% for refinance. I'm seeing about 16% of purchase. The rest are all refinances. Right. And I guess that's to be expected. Um, hey, Neil, let me, let me just kind of hone you in on, on the contracts that you're A, signing that are new. Okay. So let's just call them Corona contracts for lack of a better term, as well as renegotiated existing contracts that were existing prior to Corona. So yeah. let's call those pre-corona contracts. Yeah. Yeah. So so number one, corona contracts. I guess I guess these will be brand new deals that have been brought to your desk over the last, oh, I don't know, three, four weeks. But I imagine there hasn't been many of those. I, that's what you said is the 15%, correct? Yeah, so right. So I that's probably it roughly equates to our purchase and sale um, environment for us personally. We're we're seeing, we've certainly seen a tick down. So maybe if yeah, maybe it's like a fifteen percent of what we were doing. We get we've done a handful. Okay, and and if you if you were naturally curious, which I think you are as a person, um, I, I you see the contract price, right? I know you can't disclose this. I know there's privacy. I understand that. I respect that. But right. could you give us any color into the dislocation? That's because I mean everyone's trying to understand how how down we are, like right now. Um, I mean, were you able to look look up some of these listings and kind of see, like, are we down 10%, 15%? Any general idea you could talk about there? I mean, I really don't, you know, we let's say we have a pipe, I'm just throwing out a number, you know, roughly yep. pipeline of purchase and sale work at any given time of 50 or 60 deals. I'm just throwing out a number. And mm -hmm. so we've, you know, over the last couple of weeks, if we get one or two in a week, I think we're doing a couple of deals, but but there is not a lot going on out there. There, there's just, so I, I can't, I don't want to put a percentage to it because. Right. There's not enough. Small sample size. Quantified that enough. I, we track the number of mortgage commitments that, that we get in as well as the closings that we do. So I know very specifically, I know exactly that. It's harder for me to say on the purchase and sales, but it's really a handful. I mean. Right. Right. What about renegotiations? Could you, could you, any, are you, are you dealing with any of those? These are existing contracts that are now being renegotiated? You know, it's interesting because I said, let's assume that we have a pipeline of 60 deals that we work on at any given time, give or take. Um, mm -hmm. There's really only been only been a handful of true renegotiations. A, a couple of people have, um, but but for the most part, what we're really seeing is, is uncertainty. Um, purchasers who saying, look, I, I don't, I'm not sure I'm going to have my job. Um, and then, you know, um, so that's a problem or I'm not getting my bonus or so. And then we've got the sellers who are like, look, I I'm in contract. I need to sell. I need to buy something else. Or 
And so my best advice right now is the sit tight. Um, I don't know that we're, we know what we're going to be looking at, you know, even four weeks from now. Um, right. And, you know, hopefully we see some type of change in the marketplace, whether it be there's more testing, whether it be some type of, um, you know, antidote, whatever it is, right? Some type of vaccine, but we don't know what that's going to be. What I can say, though, is that because this is unprecedented, now look to a level of or a certain degree of history as it relates to how we come up with closing dates. So what do I mean by that? You know, we usually put into a contract, there's an on or about closing date. So let's say it was on or about April 15th. On or about suggests that it'll close somewhere between April 15th and May 15th. Why that 30 days? Well, um, if you look at kind of custom and, and maybe case law, purchasers are entitled to a reasonable adjournment. And that reasonable adjournment has generally been deemed to be 30 days. So the question becomes, what's reasonable in this marketplace? And, and I don't know that 30 days is reasonable. So I'm saying to my purchasers, look, let's just ask for a reasonable adjournment. If you can't do it today and let's see what's going to happen, you know, 30 days from now um, or 15 or whatever the case may be. And the same thing with my sellers. I'm saying, look, to send out what would be a times of the essence letter to ask someone to or to require someone to come to the closing table today, I don't think is a very good idea. I don't think that's reasonable. Plus, even if you wanted to go to court, the courts aren't even open to deal with this. So, so I think that my best advice, Sarah, is, is sit tight. I know that it's difficult. I know there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, I know that it's putting a lot of pressure on people. But what else can you possibly do right now? Right. Right. I mean, I, I guess, where do you see us coming out of this? I mean, like, if, if we're easing restrictions in, when is it, May 15th is the next date that they're going to hopefully... Think, you know, that's when, you know, the, the pause program is, is set to expire. But, you know, I'm not sure. I think they're going to have to extend that. At least that's well, but I, just let me just jump in here for a second. So I, I understand the whole idea of the on and about is sort of in flux and, you know, time of the essence, you know, it doesn't even make sense to do it. But I'm curious if, if you look on the buy side and you have buyers that are, have financing contingencies or mortgage contingency funding, you know, all these different things, how are these timelines being handled? Uh, or are they being handled sort of, are they, is it like an ad hoc basis to extend each one and deal with them? Or is there a process in place? So unfortunately, in many cases, the, the mortgage contingency is probably expired. If you have, so mortgage contingency gives someone the right to cancel a contract, a purchaser the right to cancel a contract and get their deposit back if they don't receive their mortgage within a certain period of time, right? Um, some contracts, not all, have something called a funding contingency, which is a little bit different. It says that if the lender can't fund, then then you, you don't mm -hmm. maybe you don't have the right, you don't have to close, you could look for other funding. Um, you know, most of these timelines have probably come and gone and for a lot of the contracts. So, so I kind of take a step back and say, 99% of the time people enter into contracts because they want to close, they want to purchase, they want to sell, they're not looking to play games. Yeah. And so to the extent that that exists, and that still exists, those deals are going to get going to get closed, you know, and I think that to the extent that someone really truly has lost their job or, you know, or, um, or 
doesn't have, you know, their salary is cut in half or whatever, that's going to be a more difficult type of conversation because they still, I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying that they, they may not be able to get out. They may need to negotiate a part of that down payment that goes to the seller because it's not the seller's fault that, that the purchaser lost mm-hmm. their, their down payment, uh, lost their job rather. So I think that there's going to be a lot of negotiation involved. You'll have the bucket of people who do want to still close. You'll have the bucket of people who just can't for whatever reason and want to try to negotiate. And then you might have the people that, you know, purchaser who wants to be opportunistic Mm -hmm. and doesn't have any of those good reasons. And, you know, again, I think that's going to be a, a give and take on both sides then. Yeah, and I guess and just to come back to what Noah's saying about how what's this going to look like when this all shakes out, I'm just curious, you know, if, if you, you, know, you think about the pachinko machine where you drop the marble in the top and it, it can sort into any dozens of buckets, I'm just curious, you know, if you look at this, what percentage of deals, and I'm just asking you for a ballpark guess, what percentage of deals do you think are going to come through this more or less unscathed? You know, I, I could just go by our pipeline and, and I have – probably five deals that are problematic right now of all of them. For the most part, we're saying sit tight. So um, I think it it requires taking a step back. Again, yes, there'll be some people who are opportunistic about this. Um, I'm not a big fan of that. You know, let's, let's not forget that people are dying all around us. Right. That, that, that this is really a horrible situation and that, um, I'm sure none of us would want to, we would gladly, um, gladly say tomorrow done and let's just go back and put everything the way it is. But so I, I think it's, it's going to require, um, you know, look at, will purchasers be able to say the property is just not worth the same thing it, it was? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could make that statement, but should a seller be hurt by that as well? I, I don't have a good answer for that. Well, I mean, it sounds like, look, we're in an unprecedented time. And, and, and in these kind of times, you got to expect some pain. I mean, I know it's, it's a sad thing. It's, it's, it sucks. You don't want to see it. No one wanted to see 9-11. Nobody wanted to see the credit crisis after Wall Street. I mean, it, it happened, yeah. right? So, I mean, John, it sounds like to answer, he's got about 8%. You know, 8% of his deals are problematic. Yeah. So you're in the 90s of, of, of going through relatively unscathed. Well, I, I think, yeah, I think Neil makes an excellent point, which is that people enter into these contracts with a desire yeah. to actually get the deal done. So there's, they, they've gone, they've seen it. I mean, let's talk about pre-COVID deals. You've seen it, you like it, you, you, know, you put your best foot forward, the, you meet the seller, like, you know, the hearts and minds are in the right place. And it's just, now you start backing out of that and you start looking at the various situations. And so people still like the apartment, like there's nothing wrong with that part. It's just all the other different mechanisms have to fall into place. So I, I, I hope that's, I hope that's a good accurate assessment. And I kind of, from what I'm hearing, temper around that range seems to be it. Yeah. And it's, that's the purpose of this show is, is to show different attorneys. And it seems yeah. to be around that range. The majority of deals are going through with, with your problematic ones. Neil, we didn't ask you about broken contracts. Have you experienced any recent uh, broken deals? So when you, I mean, I'm kind of putting that all into the same bucket. I, I have one that I'm working on now that's going to be probably broken. And it's okay, so that's like one out of the five. So like I would, I would call five problematic, maybe renegotiations, and then one, one potentially broken. Broken meaning the, the buyer's just like, I'm out. You know, yeah, I'll, I'll lose my deposit. I just don't think they're going to be able to close. And I'm hoping that we're going to be able to negotiate a situation where the seller is obviously going to keep a, probably, you know, a good chunk of the, the down payment. And, you yeah. know, maybe, but 
first and foremost, I believe on, you know, do the right thing. I mean, I, I know that maybe that sounds hokey, but I live my life by that. And I'm hoping that, that most people are going to do the right thing. And, and I'm not sure what that looks like exactly, because everyone is hurt by this. Um, yeah. But I think if you go, if you come to the table and having that conversation and in, in that mindset, I think ultimately we will will wind up in a better place. Yeah. And can yeah. I, let me, let me follow up on that, on do the right thing, because I think Neil, one of the, one thing I'm sure everyone on this show recognizes you for is your commitment of, and you know, service to the industry. And one of the things that is so visible is your uh, legal line that you publish. Was it every Friday? Is that right? So we do uh, the legal line comes out Thursday, Thursday members. And then on Friday we do, we've been doing, we've stopped for a little bit fair housing Fridays. Right. So I'm just wondering if you could just recap some of the top things that agents need to know right now. Like what are some of the biggest questions you've had or what are some of the biggest takeaways that agents can walk yeah, away with? Unfortunately, the biggest question has been this unemployment insurance issue. Right. Um, just to, to recap, independent contractors um, um, are eligible for unemployment insurance. And it's, it's um, so that's, you know, that was created in response to these times. But, you know, the Department of Labor, I'm, I'm not going to speak out of turn and tell you that they were were not prepared for the amount of applications, and understandably so. They weren't set up to handle the kind of volume. And so men, just literally hundreds of phone calls that we're getting, I can't get through, what should I do? What's gonna happen? And, and that has been the biggest issue. The second would be just asking questions about closings like we're talking about. And then the third is, similar, but it's in the leasing environment, which is, hey, I had a lease that was supposed to start. What do I, you know, I can't move into a building or where um, I've got a tenant who stopped paying, what can I do? So, so probably those three issues are definitely the biggest issues. And I'm hoping that, that we're going to be able to start to talk about, okay, what is, you know, if we can start to come out of this, what is it going to look like? And what, um, what can I do to start getting back into business? And, and so the first thing is, okay, what um, just, you know, from an infrastructure perspective and from, um, from the perspective of what is that going to look like? What, what can I start to do? So we're going to start to need to address that. Can I do a showing? How do I do a showing? Because right now it is, it is, you cannot do a showing. There is no face to face. And, um, and I want to just remind everyone, we cannot get complacent here. The reason why the numbers have changed so significantly is because people are staying home and they're being taken really good proportions. So, so I think right. that, um, but we are going to start to have those conversations. What does it look like to go back to the office? I'm already doing that. My, my office is open, but we are limiting it. We have about 80 people in the office, you know, pre-COVID, and now we're limited to 10 seven or eight people tops at any given time, um, you know, wearing masks, all staggered and because we don't have a choice, but, but now we're starting to talk about, okay, what is it going to look like two weeks from now? And I, yeah. think and I imagine, I imagine open houses are going to be a big problem. Um, and, and I, I, ranging from, is the building going to allow this open house? That's number one. Is the agent going to be upset? And, and rightfully so, are they in a position where I don't, I don't want to be forced to have to run an open house? I don't yeah. want to be in a position. I, I, I think I need to be safe. I don't want to protect myself. You're going to run into these types of things um, as, we, 
as we get out of this? And everyone's asking, what do we look like? I like to ask that question just to get some thoughts because um, it's, it's, you know, nobody, nobody suggests a light, a light switch recovery from this. Everyone I'm talking to kind of thinks this is going to be a slow phased, you know, what, what you feel comfortable with, what you feel secure with, maybe different than what somebody else feels comfortable with health wise. Um, and it's just going to be a slow phase in recovery over time. I agree with that. I mean, I, I definitely yeah. do no way that, that it's a light switch because I think if, you know, I'm no expert here, but they don't, they're not going to have a vaccine ready for, for some time. And so, yeah, yeah, we need a treatment. We need a treatment so people stop dying. Like you said, an antidote. We need a treatment. That last question, we're running out of time here, Neil, but I want to ask you one more question. Um, do me a favor for buyers that are out there that are working with good brokers, okay? And maybe they listen to them, maybe they don't listen to them, maybe they think their broker is being a car salesman, but in reality, the broker is actually telling them really good advice. So I want them to hear it from you, or I want the broker to be able to send this to their client to hear. If I am a buyer out there and I'm and I'm and I'm taking I'm not going to say taking advantage of the situation, but I'm, I'm bidding accordingly, okay? From a contract standpoint, from, from a logistical contract standpoint of getting the deal signed, could you just give me some assurances from a buyer that these are happening, these are deals happening, this is how it's happening in a virtual world, and uh, this is what you should expect to see if you get an accepted offer, what the next steps are? Yeah, I, mean, I think that if you want to buy something, there is no reason for you not to move forward in terms of buying that, right? If, you have, if you're comfortable with the data and having that conversation, um, then we can sign contracts and we can do a lot of the due diligence um, electronically. We can do most of it electronically. Um, we can sign contracts electronically. Uh, you can do board applications electronically. We've encouraged the marketplace to, to be cooperative and collaborative and creative. Like those are my, my three C's right now. And, and I think that if you do that, then that's, that's, then you can get this done. And so, so I don't think there's a reason not to, um, if you have good people, like you said, a good broker, good attorneys, good data, then, then yeah, I don't think you need to stop doing what you're doing. Uh, that's that's great. Listen, and being collaborative, this is what it's all about over here. Um, you attorneys, you guys got to stick together and you guys got to help each other out. Us brokers, we need to help each other out. We need to be collaborative. This is when Intel is gold, broker to broker. Intel is gold. And uh, on the Urban Digs Forum, um, we have the Urban Digs Forum on here on UrbanDigs.com. This is for all of your questions. We are here to help. So there are venues to go to, to ask questions, to get answers, to guide you better. If you have questions for clients, um, utilize this kind of stuff. Um, it's great. Neil, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day and joining us. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And I hope you stay safe out there. Neil Garfinkel. Thank you so much. This is Noah and John. We are from urban digs. We're talking Manhattan and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.